first. Well, this morning uh, we have the gift and the blessing of having one of our missionaries uh, join us to bring to bring the word this morning. And uh, Randy Southwell and his uh, wife Sarah, along with his kids Victoria, Elena, Lucas, and Zachary, uh, have been in Brazil where they've worked to plant churches. And uh, this church has supported them for 15 years. And um, they've been in Brazil for a long time, planting one church and then moving on uh, once it's independent and then moving to a new location to, to start planting another church uh, among lost people. And it's, you know, it's a beautiful gospel work that we're you know, thrilled um, to partner with. And you know, we'd love to learn more about this morning and, and hear, from, hear from him. Um, I'm going to quick say a short prayer for them, and then we'll, we'll have Randy come up here for, uh, for the message. Uh, Father God, we come before you. We thank you, um, oh Lord, just for um, the blessing of being part of your work for your kingdom. And we just thank you for Randy and his family, Lord. And um, we just thank you um, just for the ministry that they are doing, um, Lord, by by your grace, uh, that they are not only going and and, um, proclaiming the gospel to people, but they are building churches, um, Lord, helping um, you build your church um, among all peoples of the world uh, and in Brazil, and we just we just thank you for that, Lord. Um, it's what we see in your scriptures. Um, not only do you call people um, out of darkness, but you call them into community. You call them to be part of a local church that um, that worships together, that serves one another's needs, um, and uh, in very different cultures and contexts, Lord, that is your model that you can call people out of darkness into light um, and call them. Uh, into a joint community together where they can praise and worship you, Lord, and, um, and experience uh, the love that you have for your, your church. So thank you for Randy and his family. Protect them, uh, continue to provide for them, and, uh, and bless them, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Good morning. It's a pleasure to be with you this morning. I look forward to sharing with you um, from God's Word. look forward to sharing you what God has done in our ministry in Brazil and what God has for us for the future. So Brazil, um, we arrived in Brazil in 1999, so about 19 years ago, uh, 20 years that we've been with our, our mission organization now. And if there's something that you need to remember about Brazil, just remember five and five, okay? It's the fifth largest country in the world. And it's the fifth largest in population in the world. Okay, that's Brazil. Fifth in area, fifth in population. And we served in Brazil in the very southernmost part of Brazil there. So if you look at the map, it's divided up into states. Brazil, like the U.S., is divided up into states. They only have 28, though. Um, But the very southernmost state down there is the state of Rio Grande do Sul. So Rio Grande do Sul is known as, the people that are from that state are known as gauchos. Have you ever heard of the gaucho, the South American cowboy? Um, mostly in Argentina, but the people from our state are known as gauchos. That's what they know. They're kind of like the Texas of Brazil, okay, in the sense that for many of them, they're gauchos first and Brazilians second. Uh, It's a very um, more European type uh, area of Brazil. A lot of Germans, a lot of Italians settled there. And we can go to the next slide. Uh, We live in a city there called São Leopoldo. São Leopoldo is a little town there of about 220,000 people. It's part of the greater metropolitan area of the capital city there, Porto Alegre. The metropolitan area has about 4 million people there in Brazil. 
So San Leopoldo is where we've lived 18 of the last 19 years that we've been there. Uh, but in the past, the church plants that we were involved in, that we worked with, were all other areas around San Leopoldo. And we'd always had a desire to start a new work in San Leopoldo itself on the southern part of the, the city there where we live. We can go to the next one. San Leopoldo um, is a very traditional city. It's the birthplace of German colonialism in Brazil. So this last time term that we were there, they actually celebrated 175 years since the German colonists came from Germany back in the early 1800s and or mid-1800s and settled the city of St. Leopold, is literally what it is in English, in English so San Leopoldo. Uh, San Leopoldo is a very religious city. We can go to the next one. Um, but a very kind of mystical religion. Uh, this is the Catholic church that's about five minutes walk from our house there. It's called Padre House. It's named after the priest that ministered there for over 50 years. And all those people are there not because they're going to Mass, but because it's a special day. And he's actually buried there on site. And the people are making a pilgrimage to his tomb to pray to him, to ask him to do miracles for them. Uh, they believe that, that he, uh, they're trying to make him a saint. They believe that he did miracles and that even though he's dead, he can still do miracles for him. And so they'll go and they'll actually walk from all the different cities around our area and walk there uh, and to go and to pray at his tomb. If you came and visited us, we'd take you down underneath the church there and there's kind of this uh, dark area down underneath, catacomb type area. And down underneath there, there's a glass coffin and inside is a dead Jesus. And that's kind of how they understand Jesus. They believe that he was the Son of God, believe that he died, but they don't understand that life is through a relationship with him instead of getting something from God through these dead saints and others. Uh, so a very needy area. Less than 1% of the population in San Leopoldo are born-again Christians. We can go to the next slide. Um, uh, the health and wealth gospel has also really overtaken Brazil. Uh, this is a church called uh, the Church of Universal Church of the Kingdom of God. And up top there it says Jesus Christ is Lord, which sounds great, but really it's a health and wealth, extreme health and wealth gospel. Um, we had a, a lady who was in our Bible study who was married to one of the main pastors of this church from up north. And she shared a lot of the insights of it. Their pastor meetings were all about how you could make the most money from your congregation. And then, based on how much money you made, was how you lived. So the more that your church brought in, then the nicer car you had and the nicer apartment you lived in as a pastor and his family. Um, so those are kind of the, some of the things we're battling there in Brazil as we shared the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we can go to the next one. Um, so as we started a new work there, uh, we started with one of our colleagues there. My, that's my wife in the middle, Sarah. Sorry she couldn't be here today. I gave her my cold that I'm just getting over. And um, so Sarah's in the middle. And then Erin Warro is a single missionary that's been in Brazil for about 12 years now. And she joined us in this no, new work in San Leopoldo. We can go to the next one. So we started with a Bible study in our home. Uh, and invited people that we had made contacts through the years, neighbors and friends and others, and invited them to come and start a Bible study in our home. And we did that for about eight months, and the group grew, and we saw uh, a few of them come to know the Lord and make faith decisions for Christ, uh, especially the guy in the front there with the white T-shirt and the girl, girl that's all dressed in black were two that made decisions and were baptized in those first few months. And our group there kind of outgrew our little living room there quickly. And so we began looking for another place to meet. 
We can go to the next one. Uh, Unisinus is the university. It's a Jesuit university. It's right near our house. And we'd always wanted to start a work in San Leopoldo and at the same time kind of have some kind of presence with the university students there. Uh, it's the third largest private university in all of South Brazil. Uh, 30,000 students a week come through there. Most of them studying at night uh, in night classes. And so as we, um, in the past, we'd been involved there. We joined the gym that was in the, in the university there to begin to make contacts. I uh, practiced with the basketball team. They had practices Tuesdays and Thursday nights from 10 to 12. Uh, so that was interesting. Um, but practice with them, just making contacts with, with people there. But we wanted to start. And originally I thought, we, well, maybe let's find a place on campus to kind of have as our Sunday meeting place. But because it's a Jesuit university, everything's closed on Sundays. So we did the next best thing. We can go to the next picture. We uh, rented a space right across from the entrance to the university. And as we were trying to determine a place to have for our Sunday meetings and at the same time uh, figure out how we can really make an impact in the community, uh, we decided to start a coffee shop, and we called it The Hangout. Because um, Brazilians really like anything that's in English. And... Um, what we did is it wasn't a high-end coffee shop. We didn't have cappuccinos or espressos or any of that. Just uh, pour over coffee. But the coffee in Brazil is really good. So just that's really good. But what we did is we offered coffee and tea for free. So if people came in, we offered a place and they had Wi-Fi. And we can go to the next picture. And places for them to just relax and, and, and to come in. And so we offered the, the, the coffee and tea for free. And then Aaron and Sarah made American goodies like cupcakes and brownies and cookies. And that's kind of the big thing in Brazil right now. There's cupcake shops and other things that they like to uh, imitate a lot of what's going on here in the States. Um, but, you know, we charged about one-third of the price of what everybody else was charging because we were just covering our costs to get people in and to make contacts. And so then we also started our Sunday night studies there. And we can go. And so we had our Sunday night study there. Uh, we called our Sunday night study Logos from uh, the word for word in John chapter 1. And our byline was, was kind of, uh, come study the word so you can know the word. And so we started um, with our Bible study there. And we can go to the next one. And uh, we saw that group grow. A number of other people come to know the Lord. Uh, and when we left in April of last year, uh, the last few weeks that, that we were there, we had between 25 and 30 people every Sunday. Uh, it was a unique group of people. About half of them were newly saved. There were a few people that had come from other churches that had been uh, distant from God, and we helped them get back on track with God. And then the, there was about 40% that were unsaved. Uh, the last few weeks that we were there, we even had uh, um, a homosexual couple that was coming and doing the Bible study with us, which was interesting because we were studying through Romans, and we weren't pulling any punches. We were just sharing God's truth, and they were there interested and the truth of God's word. So it was quite a, an interesting group. Um, but then we used the coffee shop during the week, and we can go to the next picture, to make contacts with people. So we did different things. One night a week we had game night. They love uh, board games there, um, a lot like we do here in the States. And so we would have one night where we would have board games. And when people would come, what we'd do is we'd play board games for about an hour, and then we would stop halfway through and we would tell what's called the story of hope. The story of hope is a story that tells, takes 20 events in the Old Testament, 20 events in New, and traces God's story of redemption through the whole Bible. And so we would tell a couple stories each night, and then we go back to playing games. Uh, we also 
uh, did different activities. You can go to the next one. Uh, special things. This was a taco day we had. We had 68 people come through that day to experience tacos. They don't have Mexican food there in Brazil, uh, which might seem strange to you. But And Sarah made tacos. Except for she had to make it with about half the spice she usually does when she makes it for us as a family because they do not like spicy food. Um, and they still thought it was really spicy. Um, but just different activities have people come in. But by far, and we can go to the next one, the, the biggest attraction, uh, you know, and during that time we'd share the gospel and have an opportunity to, to have devotionals with them and share God's truth. Um, we can go to the next one. By far the, the biggest was, opportunity was just the day-to-day time people come in. Uh, the gaushu are usually very reserved. It's hard to get to know them. When we first got to South Brazil, people said, figure it takes about seven years to reach a gaucho for Christ. And fortunately, we saw people come to the Lord a lot sooner than that. But there were people that we saw that. But there's something about the coffee shop atmosphere that people would come in, and after they'd been there two or three times, all of a sudden they're talking to us, they're sharing us their life stories. And it, it was to the point to every day uh, we were having opportunities to have meaningful spiritual conversations with people every day as they came in there to the coffee shop. Uh, and Aaron continues to run that. Uh, while we're here in the States. We can go to the next one. Um, just a few people to share quickly because it's all about people and those that got saved. Uh, Thomas is the one in the middle there. Uh, you can see Aaron. And then of the three guys, Thomas is in the middle. He is a college-age student. Uh, had made some kind of a decision and was going to a youth group but came to, began coming to our Bible study and to our, the hangout. And um, uh, he, he said, well, I said, well, what was your decision about? He's like, I'm not really sure. So shared with him, and he came to really understand what it was to put his faith in Christ, and he got saved, and he's a, a very quiet, and it was hard to pull things out of him, very subdued, but he loved to invite other people. Um, and so the guy next to him, uh, which is on, to the right, uh, um, on his left in the picture, but to your right there, his name's Carlos, he was one of his teachers, and he invited Carlos to come. And Carlos began coming to the um, game night and listening to the story. And then he actually came to a couple of the Sunday night Bible studies. And then all of a sudden, quit coming. And I had a chance to talk to him and to other people who knew him. I said, well, why did Carlos and his wife, and his wife actually came with him as well, why did they quit coming? Um, and, and Thomas said, it, it's interesting. He said, he was offended by the prayer requests we took during Bible study. He's a very self-sufficient guy. Thomas said he thinks that everybody should be able to do their own. And when people are asking prayer for, you know, university students, they're asking prayer for tests, you know, and for find work and that kind of stuff. And he was offended by that because he figured that's not something to bother God with. That's something you've got to do on your own. So at the end of uh, 2016, December, uh, all of a sudden Carlos got in touch with me. He says, hey, Randy, can we talk? I said, Sure. So he came in, and we set up one morning there when the coffee shop wasn't open. We're usually open. We were open Monday through Thursday from 3 in the afternoon till 9.30 at night when they're doing classes. And he says, um, and he shared, and he'd been having a real hard year. Uh, he found out at the beginning of the year that his wife had been unfaithful to him. And then he just found out at the end of the year that even though she said she hadn't, she had continued to be unfaithful to him. And he was really struggling. He goes, he says, you know that story you started to tell? Did I hear the end of that story? And so I shared the story with him, and he says, you know, I want to meet with you. I, I need to learn how to be a better man, a better father, uh, a better husband. And so I began meeting with him and, and sharing God's story of hope with him. And then he came, he became, came by himself back to, to Bible study. 
And we were right then going through the book of Romans. And when we got to Romans chapter 3, he came the next day, and I could tell there was something different about him. And he came in that morning. We were meeting on Monday mornings after uh, Sunday nights when we had our Bible study, and he came in. And I said, Carlos, what's up? I can tell something. He's like, man, you know that study we did last night in Romans 3, that one about Christ's justification? He says, that's what I need in my life. He said, I thought I could justify myself before God, but man, I'm a sinner and I need God's work just like everybody else. He says, I need to put my faith and trust in Christ. And so that morning, Carlos got saved. And so uh, both Carlos and Thomas are growing. Uh, Thomas has actually uh, feels that maybe God's calling him into the ministry. So that's exciting. The third guy there, his name is Richter. And Richter isn't even from Brazil. He's from Angola. I'd met a few of the Angolan guys uh, on the, that were studying there. There's about 80 Angola students from Angola that are studying there. That a company sent over and they're studying at the university there. And then the idea is after they get the, their degrees, they'll go back and work for that company in Angola. And I'd met some of the basketball players playing basketball with them. And Sarah makes homemade pizza in Brazil. And it's like world famous in Brazil. Uh, everybody wants her pizza. So they start bugging me. Hey, we heard about Sarah's pizza. When are you going to have us over for pizza? So we invited them one day, to, Sunday uh, afternoon, to everybody come over for pizza. And I said, well, how many people are coming? And he says, well, there's 18 of us. Like, okay, I better let my wife know. So we thought, in Brazil, things are a little, you know, not quite as time-oriented as they are here. So when you tell somebody to come for lunch at 1.30, maybe they'll come at 1.30, maybe 2, even up to 2.30. So Sarah's like, well, when should I start the pizza? And I said, well, let's wait till they get here, and then we'll put it in. So at 2.40, I called them just to make sure they knew how to get to our house for sure. And he's like, oh, yeah, we're just leaving. So the first group of them got there at 3.30. The second group got there at 4.30, and the third group of them got there at 5.30. So uh, apparently African culture is even more lackadaisical than, than, than Brazilian culture. But uh, one of the guys that came was Richter. And Richter heard about our Bible study, and he started coming to Bible study. And he'd grown up in what was called a Christian family in Angola, but it was really, they went to church for Christmas and Easter. Uh, but he had a real hunger for the Bible. And he began studying with us, and we, we shared with him, and just had a, a, a great desire for the Word. And um, we left uh, last April, and he hadn't made a decision yet. But the next month, Aaron called us and said, uh, Richter just came in and said he's done running from God. He's going to give his life to Christ. And so Richter got saved, and now all three of them have been baptized and uh, are, are partnering in, in the work there. We can go to the next slide. Um, as we got ready to leave last year and, 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 and understanding that maybe at this point we weren't going back to Brazil right now, uh, we're like, God, we just started this work. Uh, we need somebody to help take over it. And so... Um, uh, God had that uh, and was providing. Uh, the guy next, sitting next to me, his name's Fabio. He's a Brazilian missionary from up north. The guy next to him is the director of that Brazilian mission in Brazil. And the both of them asked us a, a few months before we left, they said, hey, can we meet? And I said, sure, come on over. So they came on over to the hangout, and we met together. And he's like, Fabio and his wife have decided God's calling them down here full-time. They're going back up north to raise their support full-time. And for some reason, God's given them a heart for São Leopoldo. Can you use them? And so we were just, thank you, Lord. And so Fabio is now there, and he's doing the part of the Bible study and, and leading all that and, and helping with Aaron. And we're thankful that God has provided someone to continue that, that work there. You can go to the next. Um, as, as we look back at 18 years of what God had done there in Brazil, 
there was so much uh, to be thankful for. Um, this is a camp uh, kind of ministry that, that we've been able to start there in Brazil. It works as uh, encouragement for all our churches. The missionary that was working there left this last term, and so we kind of had to, to help organize it and maintain it, but we were able to bring a Brazilian couple in and train them, and now they are there full-time and just being blessed in that ministry. We can go to the next one. Um, this is our youth group from about 2004, uh, and I put this picture up because as I, as I look at this, just, um, uh, just amazing to see God, those youth are now uh, adults in the churches working as lay people and deacons, and uh, just to see God blessing. We can go to the next one. Out of our, this was our, our, uh, the church plant before that we had started in uh, a little town called um, São Sebastião do Caí. Uh, and we were able to go there the last Sunday before we left in the morning and participate in the service with them uh, and just have them share all that, that, that God has done in their lives. I had one of the little old ladies just came up and wrapped her arms around me and tears coming down her face. And she's like, you know, if you and your family had never come here and planted this church, my family would never know the Lord. We'd be lost. Um, but even out of that small church there, God's done some amazing things in taking the gospel all around the world. Uh, next picture, please. Michael uh, got saved through our basketball ministry there. Uh, he's six foot six, red hair. So he doesn't look like your typical Brazilian, but he is. And he actually got uh, to come and play at Cedarville University basketball here in the States, went to seminary, and he met his wife, and they went back to Brazil and did a three year short term. Uh, and now have raised their support full time, and him and his wife just went back. As we came back last year, they went down and are serving full time as missionaries there in South Brazil. Um, Bia is a young lady, that's the next picture please, uh, that uh, Sarah discipled for about eight years. Um, she went to university there, and then she was able to come and do a few years here at Moody University. Met Darius, who is from Romania. They came back to Brazil, and I had the privilege of marrying them, and now they're working as missionaries in Romania. Uh, the next one is Rodrigo. Rodrigo also got saved through our basketball ministry. He was a real... Uh, had quite a past and quite a, a hard life, and God really did a work of salvation in him. Uh, about three years of, of heavy-duty discipleship with him, uh, and he had the opportunity after college to go into do seminary as well, uh, and then um, met his wife, and he is actually here in the States now planting uh, International Flavor Church, him, his brother-in-law, who's American, and a third guy who is Oriental, so you've got a Brazilian, an American, an Oriental planting an international flavor church outside of the Baltimore, Maryland area. And all these people just coming from our little church there in, in Brazil. And it's just amazing to see God multiplying his work around the world. Next picture. So as, as we got ready to come back this time, and, and um, what happened was during our very first term there in Brazil, I was involved in an accident with a motorcyclist. And it kind of went through the whole court system there, and he ended up losing his eye. And uh, it didn't go to trial until 2009. And then the settlement came out when we were there back this last time during this last term in 2015, January of 2015. And we'd all, they'd always said there'll be a settlement, and the insurance company will take care of it. And there was a settlement for 300000 and the insurance company took care of 297000 of it. But what no one expected was they gave him also a pension for the next 40 years, where I'm paying him on a monthly basis based on what he was making. 
So right now I'm paying, it started at about 700, but it keeps going up every year based on minimum wage. So right now I'm paying about $900 a month to him. And so after trying to figure out during our last term there what we were going to do about this, our, our lawyers down there said, the only way we can see to resolve this right now is for you to leave the country. We're going to get everything out of your name here in Brazil. So we, we sold our car and we sold, we're in the process of selling our house down there. Um, fortunately, it's the opposite. The market there is the opposite of what it is here in West Michigan right now. Um, but we do have an offer uh, after uh, about 12 months that's come through, and so we're working through that, and hopefully. Um, but the idea is to take part of the portion of what we sell our house there and try to do a one-time settlement to get that off our backs. Um, so uncertain times sometimes, right? Uh, open your Bibles to Romans chapter 1. And the, the title of my message is Serving God in Uncertain Times. Uh, and so we read Romans chapter 1 this morning. Verses 8 through 15. And let me give you just a little context for what's happening here in this verse. Uh, Paul, of course, is writing this epistle to the Romans. It will be, become known as probably his greatest epistle, right? In which he lays out the whole foundation of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Uh, and just a, a powerful book. But as he's writing in this first part of Romans chapter 1, uh, Paul himself is going through an uncertain time in his life. He's just finished his third missionary journey. He's traveling around to the churches raising funds to take back as an offering to the church in Jerusalem. And he's spending some time, and he's actually in Corinth when he writes the book of, of Romans. And he has, he's always had this desire to take the gospel to Rome. And he knows he's going to get there someday, but he doesn't know how, and he's not sure what's all is going to happen. And in fact, after he leaves here in Corinth, after writing Romans, he leaves and he's heading back and he meets with the Ephesian elders again on his way in Acts chapter 20. And he tells them, you know what? I don't know what's going to happen. I'm going to Jerusalem. I know it's dangerous for me to go there. He says, I don't know if I'm going to live. I don't know if I'm going to die. All I know is God told me every city I go to, there's going to be persecution and affliction. He said, I have this desire to go to Rome and preach the gospel, but I don't, I don't know when that's going to happen. I don't know how that's going to happen. Right? And so as Paul's writing this, he's writing also for a time of uncertainty for him. And so as we were studying through the book of Romans last year in our Bible study there in Brazil, uh, this time of uncertainty for Paul just kind of spoke to me, right? We live in uncertain times, don't we? I mean, even here, uh, it reminds me a little bit of, um, have you heard the story of the Chinese uh, farmer? Um, he had uh, given to him a beautiful black stallion. Well, somebody had died and, and given to him a beautiful black stallion. And all his neighbors came to him and they're like, oh, this is wonderful. You are so blessed. And the farmer answered, maybe yes, maybe no. And he put and invested all this money in, 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 in this area for the stallion. And two weeks later, the stallion ran away. And all his neighbors came to him and they said to him, man, oh, this is terrible. This is so bad. And the Chinese farmer answered, and he said, maybe yes, maybe no. A week later, the stallion came back, and four other horses came with him. And all his neighbors came to him and said, oh, this is so wonderful. You are so blessed. This is so good. And the Chinese farmer answered, maybe yes, maybe no. And his son was out 
breaking one of those new horses and was thrown and badly broke his leg so that he'd never quite walk the same again. And all his neighbors came to him and said, oh, this is so bad. This is such a terrible thing that's happened. And the farmer said, maybe yes, maybe no. And the next week, the emperor came through and took all the able-bodied men off to war and spared his son. And the neighbors came and said, You're, and you know what he answered, right? Maybe yes, maybe no. Sometimes we don't know, right? Sometimes we don't know what God's plans are. Sometimes we don't know, uh, you know, what is God's plan for the church here in the United States in the years to come? Well, how, what's going to happen with everything that's going on politically and everything that's going on in other things? Sometimes it's hard. We live in uncertain times. And sometimes it's personal things we go through in uncertain times, whether it's this lawsuit that we're going through, whether it's cancer, whether it's the loss of a job. But, you know, uncertainty is a part of life. And Paul was going through that. And Paul demonstrated some things for us. That, how, how do we live in those uncertain times? How do we continue to live when times are so uncertain and we don't know what's going to happen? And the first thing that I see here, and that I believe that God, how God wants us to live in uncertain times is with a thankful heart. Right? Paul, Paul writes and he says, look, first, and he says, this is foremost, i got to say this first of all, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you because your faith is proclaimed in all the world. I was like, I'm thankful. I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know. My life might be in danger. And I've suffered a lot in my life. I want to go to Rome, but I don't know if I'm ever going to get there. He says, but for the thing, I'm thankful. And we have a lot to be thankful for, don't we? I mean, our, our home pastor, when we got back this last time, we were talking to him and just sharing about all the uncertainty. And he says, Randy, I don't know what God's got for you next. I don't know where God's leading you. He says, but one thing I do know, he says, you're going to heaven. He says, so that's already a reason to be thankful and, and rejoicing. And I said, you're right. No matter what God has for us, no matter what God, I know to whom I belong. And we have so much more to be thankful for. This. We had just finished paying off our home in Brazil the year before this lawsuit came out. So basically the money that we were putting into a house payment every month, now we were paying this guy every month. It didn't allow us to do some of the things that we wanted to do, that our house was 15 years old and needed some. But God provided every month. And he still continues to provide every month. Are things tight every month? Yes. But God continues to provide. Right? We shared with you all that God has done. And just that, that accident actually happened 15 years ago, back in 2003. I met a guy the other day, and he was sharing about some missionaries that he knew. They spent four years raising their support to go to the Philippines. They got there, and two months after they were there, had a similar kind of accident with us and had to leave the field. After two months and raising their support for four years, God gave us 15 years of amazing church planting ministry there in Brazil before God told us, okay, for a while now, I have something else for you. We're thankful for that. We have so much to be thankful for, even in the midst of chaos, even in the midst of the difficulty that we live in in this world. Man, we need to be thankful. Thankfulness is one of the keys, I believe, to real godliness in life. Dietrich Bonhoeffer said that. 
He said, man, a, a grateful heart is one of the keys to godliness, he said. He said, because when we're thankful in our lives, our focus is always going to be on God instead of our circumstances, instead of the other things around us. So Paul lived with that thankful spirit, even in the midst of suffering, even in the midst of uncertainty, even not knowing what was going to happen in his future. He was thankful. And that's how I want to live my life. I hope that's how you want to live yours, and that we're thankful for what God has done, thankful for what he's going to do, and we can trust him. The next thing I see in here is uh, Paul's passion for people. Look at what it says. It says, For God is my witness, whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his Son, that without ceasing I mention you, always in my prayers, asking that somehow by God's will I may now last succeed in coming to you. For I long to see you, that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to strengthen you. Right? Paul's focus was always on people. That was his passion in life. Uh, in First Thessalonians, he writes and he says, uh, look, there's only one thing that I glory in, one thing that's my passion, one thing that's my crown, and he says it's people. There's another time in that in, in First Thessalonians that he's writing, and he's planted that church in Thessalonica, and he, knew, and he had to leave because of persecution, and he's waiting to hear from Timothy, who stayed there to work with him, and Timothy gets back, and Timothy reports to him, yeah, the people there are suffering, but they're remaining firm. And Paul's response to that, he says, whew, now I live. The idea that, man, this is living. This is what life is all about. Right? There's lots of things to get excited about. I got excited watching the game last night. Right? It was fun to see Michigan. I'm a Michigan fan, so sorry if you're not. But fun to see Michigan, right, make the Final Four. I mean, compared to what God is doing in the lives of people, that's nothing. Passion for people. That's what our passion should be. In this time of uncertainty that we live in, and we don't know what's going on, and we don't know what's happening, there is something that we can invest our lives and our passion and our ministry in, and that's in people. And seeing them come to know the Lord, and seeing them walk closely with the Lord, seeing them grow in the Lord. Because really, if we say that we're people that are living for eternity, what that really means is that we're living for people. Because there's only one thing that any of us are going to take with us from this world to the next. And that's people. Nothing else goes with us. And so Paul's passion was always for people, for serving them, for reaching them, for loving them. That's what I want my passion to be. No matter what ministry God takes us to, no matter what area God takes us to, I want my passion to be to reach people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And the third thing I see here is, even in the midst of all that, Paul, Paul maintains a humble spirit. He's saying, man, I want to come and do this for you, and I want to do this for you, and I want to do this for you. Not because he thinks, man, I'm the guy you guys really need for me to come and minister to you. Because if I don't come minister to you, you guys are missing something. Well, that's not his idea. It's because he had a passion for him, and he wanted to see him grow, and he wanted to see him. But then he, he kind of stops himself in verse 12. He says, okay, that is, he says, don't, don't, don't think that I'm trying to... to Puff myself up. He says, that is that we may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith, both yours and mine. He says, look, the reason I want to come to you is not just so I can do something for you, because I, but it's so, because I know you're going to have a great impact in my life. When I see your faith and when I see what you guys are doing there in Rome, it's going to encourage me. It's going to strengthen me. Right? And we see Paul growing in that area of humility throughout all his life. 
In one of his earliest writings, he calls himself the least of the apostles. And, and then later on, about halfway through his ministry, he says, well, he didn't refer to himself as least of the apostles. He calls himself as the least of the saints. And then at the end of his life, as he's writing, he's like, ah, forget it. I'm just the worst of sinners. I'm the chief of sinners. <laughs> right? It's nothing that I've done. It's what God's done. And that's, that's the great thing about, even as we understand that right now God doesn't have us go back to Brazil. And even then as we're thinking, God, we just started this work and these people there and, and, and God gave us that comfort of knowing, you know what? You did your part. But it's not about you anyways. They don't need you. They need me. And I'll take care of them. And wherever God takes us, that's, it's his, he, he who does the work anyways. It's not because of us. It's just because we're faithful and we follow him. And I want that humble spirit to be a part, even in this time of uncertainty. Sometimes as we look at the world around us and the mess that it's in, sometimes we can become a little prideful, can't we? And instead of realizing and understanding, but for the grace of God, that could be me. I'm thankful for what God has done, and I want him to continue using, not for my glory, but for his glory. And quickly, the last thing this morning that I really see uh, how to live in uncertain times um, and that Paul presents here is, is just an eagerness to share. Right? He says, look, I don't want you to be unaware, brothers, that I have often intended to come to you, but thus far have been prevented, in order that I may reap some harvest among you, as well as among the rest of the Gentiles. I am under obligation both to the Greeks and to the barbarians, both to the wise and the foolish, so I'm eager to preach the gospel to you also who are in Rome. He says, I, I want to share. I want to come and share the gospel with you. And why? Well, we can't look at Romans chapter 1 without also reading verses 16 and 17, can we? So even though we didn't read that in the reading this morning, let me read it for us now. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek, for in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith. As it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. Why was Paul so eager to share? Because even though he was going through a time of uncertainty, even though the world was in a time of uncertainty, he had something certain to share, right? And even in this uncertain world that we live in day to day, not sure what's, sure what's going to happen, we have something that we know is sure. And we can share the gospel of Jesus Christ and it's the power of God and the salvation. And we can ground our lives in that which is certain. And then we also have something to share with those around us that are many times struggling in this uncertain world. We have the good news of Jesus Christ and the power of God for salvation. And because of that, he was always eager to share. That's why I want to be eager to share. I mean, even in the situation where God has us now, uh, it's amazing the, the people that we have around us to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with. We're in Granville. Um, Granville Baptist Church is our home church, and we're living in the, the, the mission house, which is right next to the church. And 20 years ago, in the city of Granville, 89% of people in the city of Granville went to church. Today, it's less than 40%. 
And in just where we are, right next to church, there's three houses across from us and two houses down, and, and just that little block. Out of those five houses, not one single one of them goes to church. God's given us a wonderful opportunity just to eagerness to share with the people that are right next to us. Even the weird old guy across the thing who comes and opens my mailbox and takes my mail out and puts it on our back porch every day because he thinks that's helpful. I'm not sure it's legal. <laughs> he came over the first week that we were there, and he's like, uh, you have a light, there's a pole in our, in our driveway, and there's a light on it. He says, you know, your lights burn out. I'm like, okay, I'll let the church, he's like, yeah, because I need that light on so I can see over here. Okay. So he's like, so my brother and I are going to come over and fix it. So I'm like, okay, Sure. So he came over, so Sarah made cookies, and I took some cookies out to them, you know, and just talking with them. And, uh, funny. <laughs> but I noticed he doesn't just do it to us, he does it all. If a package comes, he'll come and take it and put it in people's, he puts their garbage cans back. So, you know, he, he has a desire, he wants to help. Really, he's a busybody, but he needs the Lord, right? He needs God's love, and he needs us to show it to him as do all the other people around us. And I want to have an eagerness to share because I got the answer, even in these uncertain times, even when personally our family is going through uncertain times. We don't know what God's got for us in the, in the years to come, maybe. And it's difficult, and we don't know if we're going to be able to resolve this problem with the loss in Brazil, and God, but God's in control. And I have something so much better and certain to share with people that I can just... Let God take care of it and share with them the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So what God has for us right now is, and starting in January, we can go to the next slide, um, I've joined what's called the Good Soil Division of our, of our uh, um, agency. That's the word I'm looking for. Uh, good Soil Evangelism Disciples started as training for our missionaries. Because what we realized is our new missionaries that were coming and that we were sending out, some of them had never led anybody through an evangelistic Bible study. Some of them hadn't discipled anyone. And so we wanted to train them to be able to do that, not only here, but in a variety, the idea is in a variety of cultures and worldviews and how to do that. And so uh, it started as, as training for our missionaries, and um, it, it grew to uh, some other mission organizations saw what we were doing, and we actually, there's two or three other mission organizations that use our material to train their missionaries now. Uh, and then pastors started hearing about it, and so uh, they started asking for us to come and do training at their churches and that kind of stuff. And so that's kind of where we are right now. It's kind of expanding. Not only am I doing training then in other churches that have a desire to, to gain in this understanding of a worldview-relevant evangelism and discipleship, um, but then when our fields overseas are ready to implement them, I, I get to travel to those fields and to help them get started and train their trainers to do it. Um, there's uh, Roots of Faith as a whole. Uh, it's kind of like good soil. The material that we, that we developed is actually that story of hope that I told you about that we used in Brazil. And we really saw people gain a real understanding of the gospel through that and embrace the gospel through that. Um, so Roots of Faith is kind of like that on steroids. It's a whole week course that you go and take at ABWE in Old Testament and New Testament, um, but tracing the redemptive theme throughout. So we've just translated that into Portuguese, and so next month I get to go to Brazil, 
and we're teaching pastors and missionaries from all over Brazil are coming in. We're going to train them. And what you do when you train them is you teach them to teach the course at the same time. So it's a training time for a week where we're teaching it, but at the same time we're showing them how to teach it so they can go and teach it as well. And I get to do that in Portuguese um, next month in Brazil and then do the same thing in Portugal uh, actually in September as well as then doing all the training when our um, training is ready back in the, in the States uh, or I mean at our home offices in Harrisburg. So when the missionaries a couple times a year are there, I go back and help with the training there. Um, officially I'm the Midwest trainer. So we're developing contacts with churches all over the Midwest. So like last week I was in Minnesota. Uh, doing it with, uh, with a group of churches there. Um, so just pray as God gives us. God's kind of given us that ministry for now as we see what God has for the future, as we try to take care of this thing in Brazil. We can finish with the next slide. Uh, it just, um, is there one more or no? Okay, there's a different one there. Um, and so uh, just really helping people to, to grow in their evangelism discipleship. And uh, we miss the, the hands-on church planning right now, but we know God's got that still in the future for us at some point. Um, but it's also fun to be able to train people and know that they are taking that to go into plant churches and so that we're still doing our part and seeing churches planted around the world. Let me close with a word of prayer for us. Father, thank you for this uh, time and this morning for being able to share all that you've done in Brazil and all that you will continue to do there and what you're doing in our lives and in our ministries. And Father, uh, in these uncertain times, thank you that we can turn to you. And we have the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ to share with people. And we can live with certainty about who we are and who we belong to. We ask this in Christ's name. Amen.